Good afternoon. Welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. I'm Gerardo Munoz. And I'm your boy, Kevin Adams. And we are merely two public school teachers in the city of Denver uh, who are here to talk about issues of race, power, and privilege as they play out in our schools. Um, it is Friday. We've made it. It, we was, made a non -student it. it was a non-student contact Friday. day. By the way, we are off the clock right now in case anybody wonders if we're using our teaching time to uh, get rich off a podcast. That's right. When, when our principal told us we had a comp day, like the second <laughs> half was comp, I was like, are you kidding me? That's the best Yeah, that was good. That was good. Years. And of course, we're like, we could record. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, can get up yeah. here. We get the podcast. So we just wanna we just wanna thank everybody for tuning in, uh, downloading, subscribing. Uh, we are going to get into a whole bunch of stuff today, right? Yeah. Some updates some on what's stuff. going on. I mean, you all want to hear about our lives and what's happening with us. Big stuff. Uh, we're gonna talk about my haircut. Oh, very nice. I just Looking got a haircut. Good. I need so one. We're gonna do that. Yep. Uh, I can vouch that uh, Kev does need a haircut. Um, it's that time. It's hard, man. There's no time for that stuff. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we got some shout outs. Uh, we have some ideas coming up. Uh, we are we are debuting a new segment that has become increasingly necessary. Yeah, we feel and, like you guys will really like this new segment. And what are we calling that new segment? Uh, it's called Teaching Trump. That's right, we're teaching Trump. Um, and you can interpret that any way you want to. Um, <laughs> so we'll be talking about some things happening uh, as we speak. Betsy DeVos is uh, is going through proceedings. Uh, a confirmation to, hearing. To potentially be confirmed. And we have some other things that may be affecting our students. Um, and then uh, the big focus today is uh, we're calling this next segment uh, Kicking Them Out. Kicking Them Out. We'll be talking about the dilemma that all teachers have. Do you kick students out of the classroom? And why would you kick a student out of the classroom? And is it okay to kick a student out of the classroom? And what does that even mean, kick them out of the classroom? If I've been kicked out of the bar, yeah. that means I'm 86. <laughs> I can't come back, right? And I don't want to go back to that bar. I might fight them. Are we, are we talking about something personal right here? <laughs> it might get personal. <laughs> might get I do personal. have a story about when I was kicked out of the class. <laughs> yes, I think we've all been there. And, you know, and by the... Uh, by a lot of statistics that we have in, in a, a growing body of research, uh, disproportionately kids of color are impacted by uh, being kicked out of class. Yeah, and so, so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, and uh, we'll obviously be asking for your feedback and your and your thoughts on things. So, so that's what we got. A little bit of a full slate today. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing yeah. really good. You know, we started our challenge-based learning unit with the sixth graders. Okay, so what's challenge-based learning? So challenge-based learning overall is kind of a more engaging way to teach students. And it's a, a, where you kind of give them space to develop, uh, come up with big ideas and essential questions and develop a project around those big ideas and essential questions related to some sort of issue that the kids are interested in solving in their community. And so we're just in kind of developing our big ideas and teaching the kids about the process. But some of the big ideas uh, that have been brought up have been things like depression, uh, equality, uh, education, LGBTQIA+, as the students have made me aware. IA+, plus. I didn't know about yeah, the IA+. Plus. Yeah, I got, knew about the plus. I didn't know there was an yeah, IA there. they've got all sorts of stuff. And so they've come up with really good topics, you know, but working sixth graders through this stuff can be challenging. <laughs> I mean, that's appropriate, though. Challenge-based learning challenge is challenge-based learning for you, too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I feel like overall this last week, you know, my learning has increased a great deal. And I'm reflecting on it. But it is a little easier, you know, going through the process and, and having the kids work it out. And, and it hasn't been smooth. Yeah. It doesn't look pretty, you know. But I think it's like making sausage. 
Yeah. You know, and I told the kids we're not making McDonald's sausage. We're making that high quality sausage. <laughs> so it's going to take us some time. That's right. That's to right. Make, but, but you got to cure it properly. Make gonna, sure you don't put any dangerous stuff in it. Yeah. Make sure there's no delicious. nasty in it. Yeah, yeah. We don't want that jungle sausage. Don't want that <laughs> jungle <laughs> sausage. That sounds really no, bad. No, it really does. does. It really does. Uh, fortunately, Upton it's, Sinclair. Upton Sinclair. Read it. Read it. Read it. Uh, read it and weep. Um, so it's interesting because I think that at the at the heart of an idea like that is the idea of liberatory education, right? Yeah. Paulo Freire talks about how important it is that particularly kids living in poverty or kids who are marginalized or kids who represent minorities that they have the opportunity to engage in problem-posing education. And so you pose a problem, you pose a challenge for them to overcome, and they can do it. And uh, I just have to say, week five, fifth straight episode, referencing Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks. (laughs) Bell Hooks talks about how education ought to be the practice of freedom. And before we can expect this generation to go out and fix problems in the actual world, uh, we want them to get some experience uh, addressing problems in the world that they live in right yeah, now, yeah, which that, is actual, but you know a little bit less real. Yeah, <laughs> Some yeah. days well, more unreal like than others. We have this laboratory called the classroom yep. where we can experiment, and so like that was my ultimate goal. And I've been toying with this idea since I've learned about challenge-based learning three years ago, but I've been kind of scared to use it, you yeah. know. But again, like you said, I want the kids to understand freedom yeah. and education, and that education is a real tool that goes beyond the classroom and yeah. I, that's that's my goal and I think it'll be powerful in the end so we'll keep you guys updated we on will. the challenge we based will. learning and <laughs> we all might my have to challenges. get some Kleenex to keep in here just in case just in case, it, just in case it gets a little frustrating and if you guys have any advice or tips about yes. challenge based learning hit us up on the Facebook page that's the Instagram right. that's right he's acting like he knows on social don't, media uh, we're on don't right put now. me on blast <laughs> like that don't you there you're gonna have to pass it on we're on Twitter too. Oh, Twitter <laughs> on the Twitter on the Insta tweets <laughs> and the Insta tweets. Check that's right. Me. We are also uh, we are we also have a Gmail address. Two dope teachers at gmail Can't believe that wasn't taken. Jeez, that was uh, yeah, two dope teachers. It was there. So so, so you know that's how you know we were destined for this. That's we know we were just too dope. The, the Gmail <laughs> said it, but yeah, we would we, you know we we would love to. In addition to these uh, conversations that we're having and these topics we're exploring, we would love for our uh, for um, for us to be a little bit of a clearinghouse, a little bit of a resource for everybody, yeah. and hopefully you walk away with uh, with an idea, um, you know, of, of something you can do differently or new. Definitely, definitely. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Things, what about you? What, um, what's well, your like, well, well, yeah, uh, you know, in I'm, the I, boogie down. In the boogie down, I got a haircut. Yes. And this, so I want to talk a little bit about haircuts okay. for a second. A little, little, little side on haircuts. Yeah, shout out to Leilani. Took me took care of me with, a, with, a, with a razor fade over at Floyd's okay. uh, on Wadsworth. Um, so, so got it done. Um, my wife used to give me a super hard time. I used to get my hair cut every eight days. I actually <laughs> had it calculated it out to eight days because you know you you cannot look like you need a haircut, you, right? You grew up in a black neighborhood. I did. But no, so now here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. I never got haircuts as a kid. I don't know if my parents were too broke or if so, – so like my dad – um, is this Mexican dude who like when back then it was almost this like hippie cool style to have your hair long yeah, so yeah. he just assumed I wanted my hair long too and so I never got haircuts and the problem is I got that mestizo hair that just grows out and rough and coarse I got cowlicks everywhere it was parted for a while 
It was pretty. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I, I, Man, I, I, I'm, all I'm just picturing it. All of my Mexican brothers out there, all my Raza brothers out there, you know you had your hair parted at some point. I got like two parts. I got one on the left and one on the you, right. You go to your Mexican friends. I go to my Mexican friend's house and I see them pictures exactly. going up. And, and I you see them and you see them all slicked down. Exactly. I so I never got haircuts and it got so bad, man. I feel like I'm about to walk into something really bad right here. It got so bad that the kids on the block started calling me Mowgli. Mo- Mowgli. Mowgli. You know from the Jungle Book? From the Jungle Book? Uh-huh. You know Mowgli, Mowgli. looked a little skinny brown kid with this mop of hair that just was completely unruly. And there's times I've run into people who still like call me Mowgli. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, I'm like, I'm 41 years old. Please nah, stop calling stop. me Mowgli. Please, don't so, so whenever I go get a haircut, it's just like cathartic. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, yeah. it's like, I feel like a new man. So I got my haircut, uh, and uh, and, and I'm, so I'm feeling good about feeling myself, good. man. I can, it's, 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 the skin is still fresh. Um, fake what's, checks. What's the line from Barbershop about give a man a new haircut <laughs> and he feels all <laughs> right. Well, there was a there was a barbershop I used to go to in Five Points uh, where his his uh, I, f- I don't remember his last name. His first name was Clarence, and I remember he was the third. I just don't remember his uh, his, his last name. But his business card said. Because a haircut makes you feel good, That's and that right. is so true. It's the truth. It's the truth. It is it's the, the truth. truth. Well, and feel good. I still, I'm still in this space where I don't, I'd like, I get a haircut before the weekend. Yeah. Because you know what happens if you get it on a weeknight. <laughs> you get the fade <laughs> you, you, check. Yeah. You, you get, get the fade check. check, and man, I, I can tell you that that pain is real, <laughs> and you want to fight, but you know that it's just the code. If you yeah, get it on a Thursday, it. Friday you're gonna be hurting. So. Yep. Uh, yep. So we didn't have students today, uh, and so um, <laughs> you were like, so I was like, get, it's safe. Let me it's go. Safe. Let me get my but yeah, man, things are good. You know, um, I have to give a shout out to uh, to a young woman named Corey Wing right now. Yeah. Um, this is a uh, a girl who played middle school soccer for me, who recently signed her national letter of intent to play at Fresno Pacific University. Snap, snap, um, I had the uh, I had the wonderful opportunity to be there when she signed her letter. Uh, this uh, earlier this week, and it was just a really cool thing, that, you know. Not so much because you know I coached her. Like in, in fact, I would say that my influence on her was probably not huge. But but the fact that she's a player that that I taught some of the game to, and that she continued to enjoy it enough to work hard at it yeah. and uh, and to get herself a scholarship. So uh, shout out to Corey and um, and to others. And so so that so that's a uh, it's it's been a pretty good week. Um, these these shorter weeks are like exhausting. It's kind of crazy. Although this one felt fast for me, I don't know why. Not me, man. It was like that white day on the, on Monday kind of sh- like threw me for a spin. That I was hard. Expecting it. No, that was hard. Yeah, and, and yeah, and we're on a crazy rotating block schedule yeah. hybrid thing. Uh, oh, a white day is not a day where we just teach our white <laughs> students. It's a day where we have all of our classes. That's right. So I know, and you still react to that. It's like that's that. what it is. Clarify. That's what it is. Yes. I mean, you know, you, you would. It would almost be better if schools would be really transparent about, like, okay, listen, we're going to be really Eurocentric today. <laughs> this is our Eurocentric day. Eurocentric day is Monday, and all the other days. Eurocentric we'll, Mondays. Eurocentric Mondays. <laughs> you know, we don't have to call it a white day. We say Eurocentric, Eurocentric Mondays. Mondays. Uh, tradition days, right? <laughs> Make America good. Ma- MAGA days. Make America great. MAGA days. So, uh, yeah, something like that. But, uh, but yeah, so, it, and I, I always feel like these, these weeks that are shortened um 
I still have the same amount of work to do. That's the crazy like, part about it. It's still the same amount of work. It's just now it's four days to do it. But 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 far be it for me to complain about a day where I can just kind of take my foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Um, my tor- poor daughter has to be here. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. she was going to go to a friend's house, but it didn't work out. Oh, so she had, So she gets to be in school on her day off. On her off. day off. She, she gets to hear all the teacher talk. She knows yeah. way more about this place. But she's than learned how to leverage wants. this. Like, she's got me, she, like, so I took her I took her for pizza at lunch, and now we're, we're going to Mile High Comics afterwards. Go. Gotta so, hit the comic shop. So she's, uh, I so like, th- I like made her kind of deal I like, with that. I like her style. She's I like how she rolls. Yeah, it helped her kind of live with it. Yeah. So uh, this is a good time to transition into shout-outs, since we already started shout giving shout-outs. Out. So, yeah. uh... So first shout out is to you all, to those of you who continue to download and listen and subscribe. We're up to 153 likes on Facebook, which is great. We love that. We love that. I think we have 40 followers on Twitter. Nice. I mean, we're not LeBron level yet. Yeah, but, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Um, and then we also want to shout out, uh, we want to shout out Evan Thornton Colby. Yeah. A former student of ours who sent us some fabulous fan art. Um, so we'll be posting that on the page yeah. uh, shortly. And anyone else who wants to send us fan art, uh, we're always looking. Um, good stuff. And you can make it a square. That would be even better. <laughs> yeah, that helps us. So that feels good to kind of get that. Um, we also had a birthday. It's about a week late, but a belated happy birthday to Angela Davis. Yeah. Uh, the queen is 73 years old. That's and right. Continuing to still, do what she does. Still working hard. Work to organize that. Help work organize that women's march. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And she, uh, in fact, uh, there's a, there's a meme that came up, uh, on one of my social media, uh, feeds, uh, where she sort of warned of the pr- the school to prison pipeline, and she was warning about it in 1968. And I, so crazy, that crazy. gives us a lot of sort of uh, we're not crazy here. We're not talking about things that that, that we just invented. These are things no, that are. This has been, been a been conversation. This has been a conversation going on. for a long time. Definitely, and it, been it a continue. You know, and I think Angela Davis is a testament to that past, present, future, long term struggle. That it's not easy, and she's been engaged in the work. Yep. For. Almost half a century, it's you incredible. know, over half a century, over half a century, and, and yeah. you know, I think we, you know, to me, I, I look to her as a as a as a idol, as a hero, as someone to emulate. You know? Yeah, and that that's true, definitely. I I have a picture of her up in my room, and yeah, just right. a, as a reminder to myself for sure. Um, also, shout out to the podcast brothers. Uh, check them out. These guys uh, pot in us to Podcast in Color. Yeah. Uh, they continue to support us, and we continue to support you, brothers. And so thank you for uh, for your entertaining podcast. Yeah. Uh, probably should be 18 or over L- to listen to this one. A little different than how we roll. A little bit different. But we like all the But we love it, and it's love fun. It. And, and you know those guys help me to just make sure I'm not taking myself too seriously. That's important. And, uh, finally, just shout out to all of, uh, all of you teachers out there in January. Yeah, it's a hard time, man. It's like the the end is not close enough for you to be excited about it. That's There's, right. A lot of us are be, going to be going into testing season before we know it. Yep. And uh, and it's a real challenge to stay dope in this uh, in this environment. So shout out to all y'all who are trying to stay dope, and uh, and trying to take care of your business for kids. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. You know the kids appreciate it. We appreciate it. The world needs you. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna move into. I feel like it'd be nice to have like a drop song here for teaching Trump. Teaching Trump. Teaching Trump. Can we come up with a song? Let's we'll try to work on one for teaching Trump. <laughs> I, I thought I you meant right now. What does <laughs> that music sound like? Teaching yeah. teaching Trump. <laughs> teaching teaching Trump. Trump. There we go. <laughs> That's the intro. 
so you know we uh, we can look at this a couple of different ways. Uh, we are teaching in an era of uh, Trump administration, yep. and uh, and also what we're hoping to do is we can teach Trump himself a little something, and you know. Uh, definitely an interesting fellow. Yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. some interesting things going had, on. He clearly had some unique educational experiences, I feel For like. sure. I think Probably didn't have a lot of teachers of color. I'm going to go ahead and put myself out yeah, on a limb. I think... I would wager that he probably have, didn't have a lot of teachers not, of color. We have not researched this, and it could turn out to be fake news, but <laughs> we feel pretty strong... See what I did there? <laughs> I feel, like we feel pretty strongly that he probably didn't have teachers of color. Yeah. Can you imagine if he had? That would have been kind yeah, of interesting. Would have been interesting. Would have been interesting. Would have, I think his take would be a little different. Maybe a little bit different. Oh, I mean, well, that can break a couple of different yeah, ways, that's right? True, sort of that's depends true. on what that experience yeah, is. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a lot going on. Um, so <laughs> much. It, it's, like, it's like you can't you can't even. It's day to day. It really day. is. It really is. I mean, some of the podcasts I listen to have gone to a daily podcast, podcast because there's so much happening. And in fact, Washington Post came out with a podcast recently that is simply called "Can He Do That." <laughs> And it's an honest sort of discussion of like, okay, so what is it that uh, that the new president has done that he is allowed to do constitutionally and what maybe he isn't yeah, allowed yeah. to do? So that's been kind of interesting, but it says a lot about the times we're living in. Um, definitely generating a buzz, I would say, uh, yeah. what's happening here. Yeah, so sure. um, as we speak, um, Betsy DeVos is going through confirmation hearings at the moment, and uh, this has been a real interesting sort of... Uh, Sort of thing, and so I, I know a lot of you have made phone calls to your uh, to your Congress people, Congress people, and, written, uh, letters, written letters, tweeting them, tweeting them uh, on the emails. I've, I've, been, I've been mad tweeting some like Congress people. Yeah, that's been really interesting. So, how should we teachers look at a person like Betsy DeVos, given the record that has been shared publicly? You know, I think we have to look at her honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, and when we have these people claiming that we, we're going to transform education. Let's look at their records, right? Yep. And and I believe she was the in charge of education in Michigan, right? I think that's and right. And I believe that they have had devastating effects of their movement towards charter schools, which I think is ultimate mm -hmm. her goal, you know, mm -hmm. this idea that charters somehow provide more choice and that if we allow the market to make decisions about education, right. then somehow uh, then everybody will be a winner and all schools will become better. But, you know, I think about, like, the market in general and how the market affects people of color. Yeah. You know, when it comes to housing, yep. when it comes to all sorts of others, health care, right, yeah. job opportunities, and how the market ignores those people. And right. so I wonder, you know, with charter schools, is this just another way to, you know, scam people of color sure, and put sure. them in a position? And, and you always wonder about who runs these charter schools, right, right. and what interest... Do they have, you know, to to run a charter school? And I'm not, I, and I'm not hating on charters. Nope. You know, I want nope. you to hear that. I I just feel like we we deserve some 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 real answers about where we headed as a country. Yeah. And 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 to me, you know, as a person who's taught American history and and a lot of my education has been rooted in studying American yeah. history, you know, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, regardless of what you think of him, one of his greatest contributions to this country, I think, was the value of a public education. That's right. That's right. And that, like, I don't know if we can have a true democracy unless all kids have access to really good public schools. Yeah. I mean, there's times that some of this stuff is so off base that... Um that that I wonder if if that is actually the intent, right? If there's an intent to weaken public education, because as we know, um, people who are educated 
tend to lean a certain way politically. They tend to interrogate their leadership a little bit more deeply um, and a little bit more meaningfully. So it's it's really interesting to consider that let's let's not assume the worst. Yeah. But yeah. but let's also entertain the possibility like that. There's a, there are reformers who I think are so tone deaf that they that you wonder. It's like are you really trying to make it better for kids or are you really trying to make it better for established powers? And yeah. the thing I think about with charter schools and the same thing with vouchers. Um, so I, you know, I had the heartbreaking experience of, um, of, of observing Mitchell elementary being closed, yeah. Uh, yeah. in, in my old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really unfortunate because the trend that happens is we don't have schools being shut down and, and, and closed in affluent neighborhoods, That's right. it's communities of color, it's working class neighborhoods, it's neighborhoods in poverty, and um, and and the the question I always ask is like, okay, so where are these kids supposed to, to go? go to school? And so I think in DeVos's world, um, well, the kid still has education funding, and we still have funding, so you just take that funding to another place. That's that's a wonderful theory. However, there are two things in my view that vouchers don't take into account. The Speaking first is that how are these children going to get to those schools? That's right. That's right. Because the thing of it is that if you go from a five-minute walk to school to a 10-minute drive, to a 20-minute drive, to an hour-long bus ride, that is not equity. Equity does not mean that you get to go to any school you want to. Equity means that you have access Access. to the schools that are going to help you grow and having access to schools in your community. And I think when you see communities weaken, a lot of it has to do with schools that are shut down. That's right. Um, and, And this idea that we can send them other places. The other thing is, what is the guarantee that a child who comes from a poor neighborhood or a predominantly child of color, people of color neighborhood, a community of color. Mm-hmm. I'm really struggling with yeah, words no, today. I gotta got apologize. There. I like to how you got there. I don't though. know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> My students experience this from me all the time. That happens sometimes. Uh, so, but they arrive in these private schools that are going to be predominantly white. That's right. How will they be received in those schools? So so she has never been able, and nor anyone from the voucher, not, if there are some two dope voucher supporters yeah, out there, yeah, I would love to hear, to hear how this works because those are two factors that prevent me from supporting it because the thing is that Public education means education is accessible to everybody. That's right. Not accessible to everybody who can get a bus pass and get there. Not accessible to everybody who has a ride. It it needs to be accessible to everybody. And and I think that's my number one qualm with um, the voucher school movement. Now with charter schools, I think charter schools are a little bit more nuanced for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in the early years... And you know, I'm looking around at our colleagues at meetings. I'm I've, I'm like older than yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah, in there yeah, now. Yeah. And in the early years of, of charter schools, there was a sort of nationalistic kind of autonomy that that kind of came with it. Like you can see, like the Mississippi Freedom Schools yep, having yep, been yep, yep, charter schools yep. had that been around. And so there's a part of me that admires the effort, which is to say, let's find a way to ensure that schools are serving the people in their communities. Yeah, yeah. But like what Jeffrey Canada is doing. Like what Jeffrey like Canada is doing, yep. Um, and, uh, and like, you know, w- when you look at the original free schools movement, mm-hmm. the uh, school, uh, Schools Without Walls movement, uh, yep. th- those were definitely rooted in notions of community. Um, and even big picture when it started. Yep, yep. But as you sort of move into the modern day, now you're seeing more of these charters. The that, KIPs. The, yeah, the, right? The... Um, 
Yeah. The, what's the other one? These, there's another there's one a, that does. There, I mean, and, and, you know, we're not judging these programs individually. Like Strive is another yeah, one that's yeah, very yeah, popular Strive, in Denver. Yeah. And, in fact, I have a really good friend uh, who has has done great work at Strive. Mm-hmm. Antonio, shout yep. out to you. You're good. You are too dope. You too need to come dope. on the show. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing with, with some of these charters is that they are now located elsewhere. And so now it seems like there are more of those places dictating to communities how you need to be living and how you need to be educating right. your kids. And I and I think that that's also problematic. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, it makes it difficult for me to support somebody who's not willing to engage those conversations, let alone not be able to answer questions about students with disabilities. That is yeah. extremely problematic. Yeah, me. I mean, it's, it's the whole question. And, you know, you bring up the point about travel to the place, but I think also my question about... Uh, when it comes to charters, which charters are allowed to That's right. uh, flourish and which charters are encouraged and which charters are kind of pushed to the side yeah. or shut down because yeah. they aren't achieving at the levels. Yep. You know, and so I think that's always my question. You know, I always wonder, you know, what will they do if, if, if someone's like, I want to start an Islamic school, that's right. uh, you know, for boys. Yep. How, how will that charter yep. be responded to is yep. always my question, you know. And, and, and I feel like I've seen the shift away from those more nationalistic kind mm-hmm. of uh, community-based charters. I have a friend that established a school called the Charles Desalon School in New Orleans, which was a school that served, I think, exclusively African-American kids, and it was an Afrocentric school. And so you wonder, like, could we start an Afrocentric school in Denver, or will there be roadblocks? Would you you have pushbacks? And, 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 like, if you're saying, like, I want to create a place, I like this idea of diversity in education and academic programs and that we want to meet kids' needs, but... If, if you're really not allowing everybody to have a voice at the table That's and right. have that opportunity, you know, I have some genuine questions about it. And then I also have questions about, you know, the charters. And I think it's it's decreasing, but picking and choosing who they will let sure, into their sure. charters. Well, that depends on who you talk to, because some charter charters, as you sort of imply, are remaining true to that focus, yep. saying we will take the children that the that other schools have neglected, yep. but there are others who are now starting to behave more like the private schools, yep. and and that's also problematic. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something about no. that, then I just... But you know. no, no, but I think that's that's a really good point, you know, overall. And and I have to wonder, you know, what are Betsy DeVos's plans? What are Trump's plans when he calls every inner city school garbage? Yeah. When he says that inner city education is garbage, yeah. you know, where, where does this all play out? Especially, it's, it's if, like it's like he when when he when he talked about the uh, like uh, black people living in hell. Yeah, like it's kind of like okay, you seem to get it, but you get it in all the wrong ways. Wrong ways. ways. <laughs> all like you, the wrong you just ways. get it in all the wrong ways. You know, and and I and I'm sure you know we we talk about uh, you know schools that are being debated about being shut down in our community right yeah, now. Yeah, Greenlee, that's right. That's right. And uh, I forgot the other two schools that they're having a big debate yeah. about shutting down. But you, you, you ultimately say, well, what, what is the purpose of this stuff? And where right. are we headed? And where does it stop? And, and again, if the goal is to reform education, I don't know if shutting down schools reforms education. Well, it reforms it, education, just not necessarily for the better. In a positive way. Yeah. I you mean, know? reform is just a thing, right? It's like reform is just change. Uh, you can change things for the better. You can change them for the worse. And, and you mentioned something about the school being the center of the community, right? Yeah, it's, it's a place mm-hmm. where people can come together, you know, like meetings, community meetings. And, and if we would talk about like uh, 
this work at trying to help students understand freedom, right, yeah. and, and engage in freedom and engage in their own struggle, you know, if you remove the school from the community, and I feel like we often deal with this, I often ask the kids, what are our community issues? Yeah. But they all come from different communities. Yeah. And so there isn't this sense of, like, we are all together yeah. in this community, and this is our neighborhood, right. these are That's our right. streets, That's this right. is, the, you know, someone comes in and there's an issue... For you on that block, it's yeah. an issue for me on my block. Yeah, that's right. You know, it, you know, it makes me think of uh, one of my closest friends went to Montbello High School in Denver Public Schools, and uh, and I remember I remember when uh, when Antoine Wilson yeah, became yeah, pr- principal yeah, at Montbello yeah, High School yeah. when it was still a full comprehensive high school, yep. and um, one of the first places that Mr. Wilson went was to one of the to to the church in the neighborhood yep. because because he understood that the school was considered a you know a flagship of the community and uh you know and I remember that just from like school rivalries when yep. I was in high yep. school and you know but it, but there was this understanding that the school must be a strong and reassuring presence to the rest of the community so we went and spoke at a church and you know so you wonder about that and I think about I think about Manuel right I went to Manuel shout out to Manuel shout my, out bolts, Manuel. my bolts I know That's we got student I, talk. I know we got some bolts listening right bolts. here uh, you know and and we know that that part of the defining aspect of of coming from that neighborhood is you went to Manuel you know you that that was just it and I knew from like the first time I set fo- foot in Mitchell Elementary School, that I was one day going to go to Manuel, go to Manuel. And, and it was just it was this it was amazing the natural thing. Trajectory it was, and we all, all look forward to it. Um, and we got you know, there's Manuel people all over, and so so we think about like how schools really are like central parts of their community, and what happens when you remove a school, you yeah. destabilize a school, you shut down a school, and tell the kids that they have to go somewhere else now. And you're telling them something really bad about their community, because I feel like often you the are. schools that get shut down in this city are schools that overwhelmingly have staffs of color, yep. right? And and I think it's saying something to those people that you're, you're not as good as mm-hmm. these other teachers, you know? And yep. it's like, well, who do you want to bring in? And, and at times it looks different. Like we've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, a teacher of color is going to approach it different. That administrator of color yeah. is very going to run the school a little differently. Talk to the kids a little differently. Yeah. Head to the church Head to, to the speak church. to the community, right? Whereas yeah. some of these uh, maybe white administrators don't get that that's, right. that's where really the base mm-hmm. of the community is. And if you, you don't go to where churches you really don't really tap into the community <laughs> you, you haven't you it. haven't nope you're just uh you're just middle management at that point that's right so yeah so really uh, interesting things to look at um there's still time make sure that your voice is heard and here's the deal um i think that oftentimes the political party in power just feels like it just needs to weather some of the protests yeah. or some of the pushback regardless of what happens we must continue to keep our our federal education leaders accountable to our community so to me the noise hasn't even started that's right <laughs> to me it needs to be a situation of whether or not Ms. DeVos is confirmed whether or not the next person is better or whatever plays out th- th- we need to make our voices heard because we've got to protect our communities and the schools in them and I feel like education is always a topic in every election yep and then once it hits they stick with the status quo that's right, right? and whatever it was and you know be it, uh, I forgot what Clinton had, mm-hmm. but then I know it was No Child Left Behind. Yep. And then we had Race to, to the, the Top, top yep. from our brother, dear brother Obama. I love you, but I feel like that was a love mistake, you. Love brother. you, but didn't like that. Shout out. Shout out. What if we get Obama to listen to our podcast? That'd be great. 
We, we should we should tweet. I'm gonna tweet, <laughs> tweet at him. Tweet at me. Hey, we know we got some free time, <laughs> bro. Hey, come on Yo, the show. Time. Come on the show. Oh, y'all, y'all, oh, what man. if we had Obama? Have Obama in here. <laughs> well, in in this, the, I'm in looking around this room. We got. I mean, there's Obama would love some of the art. Some of the artwork that's, that's up here. I don't even know what's on the window. I think it's paint. I feel like it's smeared like uh, <laughs> lipstick or lip gloss. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I know there's some art stuff going on in here. So maybe like in the in the big room out in there. The big room. But yeah, we get Obama on here. Have him talk a little bit about education. But give you know give him a little bit of real talk. But I feel like overall educational policy, like they stick with the status quo. Mm-hmm. So I think it goes to your yeah. point is that we got to stay on this. Yeah. I, I think now's the time of people in the streets. You know, we as teachers, as educators, as people who care about education, as students, it's time. It's yeah. time for us to, to hold these people accountable. Yeah. I'm looking at our time and I'm like, man, this is just typical of our president just to take up all this time all on this like, time. and there's still other. And we still didn't even get to the big. We haven't thing gotten to the, the big week. thing, and we do want to preface this by saying that um, in in our next episode. Uh, we will actually be sitting down with a Denver immigration attorney yeah. um, to have a little conversation about how we can best support our immigrant students, whether or not they have papers, um, and how we can support those guys. So uh, shout out to Violeta Garcia, yeah. one of our listeners, yeah, uh, for suggesting we talk about this. I, I kind of kicked myself when she suggested yeah, it. I'm yeah. like... Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that, that, that we really needed that has implications for schools. So, so we'll talk a little bit about just what this wall and this hashtag Muslim ban has sort of uh, maybe meant for some of our students. But we are getting into a larger conversation about immigration um, in our in our next episode. So, uh, so don't be mad at us. Yeah, we're, we, we, we're we definitely got you. Get we're there. here. Yeah, but it is kind of a scary moment. You know, I think there's a, like. I feel like as a teacher, as teachers, we always get these questions, and particularly myself as a as a Rasa teacher, kids assume that I have more knowledge and understanding mm-hmm. and empathy mm-hmm. for um, immigration situations, which I do yep, um, yep. more than some. Uh, I have family members who have still struggled to uh, normalize and legalize their status. I worry about them on the daily, yep. um, especially right now, and I think. I think the question when it comes to immigration and when it comes to um, President Trump's statements about Muslim people in the United States, Muslim people trying to get into the United States, some heartbreaking videos out there, y'all, yeah, heartbreaking yeah, videos. Yeah. And, you know, I know that some elements will say that we're looking at propaganda, but I know I was looking at real tears and I was lo- looking at real fear. You know, and I've always said you can't ignore someone's perspective. That's their perspective. That's, and that's right. how people are feeling in our community. And you can't say that that's fake news, that that's propaganda. If people are feeling not safe and secure... You know, you have to acknowledge that. You have to accept that that's how they feel. That's right. That's right. And and something has to be done to make sure that people feel safe and can go about their lives, you know, uh, because this is very real stuff for people. And I, I think there's a, a side that says, you know, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And that people are overreacting. But, you know, from my students' perspective... It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I think especially the um, the younger they are, um, there's definitely a lot of fear. A lot of our a lot of a lot of high school students I know tend to take the view that, well, it's gonna be very hard to to round up all these people or to yeah. do whatever it is. But but there's a lot of fear. So, you know, so how do we face that you know we're, we're teaching trump now teaching trump um we're teaching trump that there's a lot of fear um among our students and and, and that it's it's having an impact and if you want to make america great again regardless of what your perspective is 
you've got to make sure that our kids feel comfortable and are willing to learn and feel safe to learn, right? Because, yeah. because like, we can all agree that education is critical, yeah. you know? And if a kid doesn't feel safe, they're not going to make it. Yeah. And so I think, ultimately, like we said last week, is giving that space. Yeah. And, and I think putting stuff in front of the kids that help them understand what's going on. I That's feel right. like there's a lot of misconception. Um, it, as we were working on the challenge-based learning project, coming up with big ideas, kids were like, Trump, Trump, I want to know about Trump. I yeah. want to know about the immigration ban. And so uh, one student in particular, you know, she's like, I hear a lot of things and I'm not sure of where to be. And I feel like some people might be worried unnecessarily. And she was like, can I go on Trump's website and just read what he's saying? You know, and I think for some of our kids, it starts with that, right? Empowering yourself through education. Yeah. That I don't have to live in fear of Trump. I can learn what he's saying and understand what he's putting into action, and then I can use my own agency to do something. That's right. It. So I, I have sophomores and juniors. Yeah. And um, they and feel some type of I, way. I te- they do, and I teach a world history class. And uh, and you know when when the whole idea of a wall was first floated um, in the media. This was during the campaign. Yeah, yeah. I remember one of the students saying, "So he wants to build a wall, huh?" Well. We won't be the first person in history who've had to tear down some walls. And so, you know, I, th- I think that kind of activist nature, that notion that, you know, we, we, we are not going to just simply accept um, what one person's idea is. But I think that it for now, there are a couple of things I would say to teachers who are struggling to kind of handle any level of fear. And I think the littler they get, the, the harder it is. You yeah. know, I can't imagine what elementary school elementary kids are kids hearing. Are, like, I remember yeah. being a little kid and just gathering snippets of what was being said and having it really freak me out. Yeah, yeah. And so I can't imagine what the little ones are really um, experiencing. And so, and so I think that I, I'd recommend, first of all, uh, reassure them that you're there to to protect them and keep them safe yeah. and um and that you don't want anything to happen to them and you care about them um i think also remembering that we're not legal scholars so we and, and i don't right. think anybody knows what the law is yeah, going yeah. to be or how it's going to be applied but i think that's another piece what else would you say yeah. that we should do in addressing i think these? ultimately handling it with compassion and listening to your students when they tell you yeah. things you know like uh creating some space know, for that when, when students are like i'm worried you know my auntie has her deport- deportation case today you know she has to go to court about this issue yeah. you know and comforting students and, and saying you know i get it today might be a day where you might not be able to work yeah because i know you're worried you're waiting for that text message Mm -hmm. to to find out what happened to auntie or uncle you know or brother or sister whoever's in the family so i think maintaining that compassion listening to the kids uh, giving them space to explore feelings you know one of the things i'm trying to do is just give kids time to reflect right down there thinking about what's going on right now because I, I don't even think they're they've given the space to do that at times. And I yeah. think I notice kids will write more mm-hmm. if I'm just like, hey, what are your thoughts about what's going on yeah. right now? Yeah. Um, and so I think the more we can provide that space, you know, uh, for kids and not to say that it's going to be the overwhelming part right. of the curriculum, but to say, here's the chance to really ask some questions, yeah. right, to dig yeah. into this stuff. And I think you could do it. In all classrooms, I feel like as a social studies teacher, I feel like us and language arts teachers are probably Mm -hmm. in a better position to analyze this work. But I feel like there's mathematics, there's science related to all of these these ideas. You know, I mean, the the sheer mathematics of 
doing what he wants to what he's proposing as an immigration <laughs> policy is very difficult and you know I've read studies that it's almost impossible it hurt us economically right to, to try to round up all these people <clears throat> that are here and a part of our community and have family here so I you know I just suggest to teachers to create a space yeah create and and here's the crazy thing you know we talk about education as a practice of freedom but if you create a space and then you pose the right questions, mm-hmm. the kids will fill that space this is true. in ways yep. that we couldn't even imagine yeah. for them to fill. And yeah. I think give us ways to guide them more about the questions that they have, right? Without a doubt. Yeah, and I think and, and the last thing I would say, and, the, and, and I think this can be done at any level, um, are the 5280 kids um, did have an effort uh, where people would send letters, who write letters to the president. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so I think this is the place where we start you know, we start suggesting to them, well, maybe if this is something that you're feeling really passionate about, that you have a lot of advocacy around, like you advocate, you push, you make your voice heard, whether it's through doing a spoken word piece, whether it's through assembling at the Capitol, whether it's through a letter writing campaign, yeah. calling your Congress people, uh, social media provides a lot of different ways. Check out the Countable app, yeah. by the way. Uh, Countable is a great, great little uh, politics news app that allows you to effectively tweet Congress people when and it, it keeps track of everything that's oh, being wow. voted on. So you think about that and, and you and and what I would encourage both teachers and young people who are feeling the frustration of a lot of this stuff is to say, we no longer have to just sit here and wait for things to happen. You can actually there is a platform for you to be heard mm-hmm. and there are mm-hmm. lots of platforms and we know that um that, for example, uh, Ms. DeVos's confirmation hearing has definitely come into question because of the sheer volume of, of voices that yeah. are being raised, and I think that's a powerful thing. So I think that I think that we definitely want to enter into a conversation with our young people where we say, "This is tough and this is scary. What are we going to do about it? That's what right. are we? What can I do as a natural-born U.S. citizen to advocate for somebody who wasn't? Yeah. What can I do with my power?" Nobody's deporting me anyway. That's right. Right. That's right. Nobody uh, can say I, anything. Cuz I'm from here. So how do we like deal with that? So um so there's a lot um Mr. President, thank you for uh, keeping yeah. us in business for giving us a segment for and, about 30 minutes. And I think I think we'll probably have this teaching Trump. It feels like every every week. That's right. There's something so like I, as we were talking I was reminded of a meme I saw this week and it was a uh, what did it say? It was like keep calm. You know, that's keep calm and Oh, wait, he did what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a vibrant democracy. I definitely don't want to go back to the times when the Congress people would, like, keep guns in their desks and there were, like, routinely gunshots fired at the camp. We don't want that. We don't want that. But but I think a little bit of mixing up. Get it a little juicy in there. Get it juicy. Put some mustard on it. 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 All right. Well, that concludes our uh, Teaching Trump segment. Teaching Teaching Trump. Trump. Teaching Trump. You've been taught. You've been taught. You've been taught. Oh, for real. All right. So we're going to move into this next question. So so ironic that we're going into one executive's kind of notion of law enforcement into very local notions of law enforcement. And... uh, and to talk about this, we, we've got this uh, this segment we're calling Kicking Them Out. 
Chicken So why, why are we talking about this, Mr. Adams? Well, this is like, if anybody who knows me knows that this is like my pet peeve, my soapbox, <laughs> is, is kicking kids out of the classroom. And it, I, it always bugs me because at the school I worked at previously, and even this school, although it's decreasing to a certain extent, I'd walk through the hallways, you know, and inevitably I'd always see a kid sitting out in the hallway and ask them, what'd you do? And they're like, oh, I was talking, I was doing this, I was doing that. And, I'm, you know, I'd always remind them, you know, we need you. You need to get back in that mm-hmm. game. And what would always disappoint me is inevitably in either building, I'd walk by again maybe 30 minutes later, and the kid might still be sitting still be there. Out there and, and so, you know, my question yeah. is, 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 you know, what does it mean to kick a kid out of the classroom? And what yeah. are we really saying to when I tell a kid, get out, or if I kick a kid out, or, you know, or redirect a kid. And is there a difference between a redirection or a pressure pass or letting a kid acknowledge they're in a space where they need some time yeah. versus me reacting and throwing right. a kid out? And just to give you an example, like, uh, so I went to Crest Hill Middle School, which is in Highlands Ranch. Crest Hill. Oh, man. This like is a that? whole other, like, line Crest of jokes that I can make. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe Hill. I admitted that. And now I'm going to have to hear about this. Crest Hill, Crest Hill Middle All right, School. Crest Hill Middle School. Eighth grade. And I had a teacher as my homeroom teacher, right? And I was the kid who had moved from Atlanta. Okay. Oh, and boy. so I was from oh, Atlanta, man. right? The only black kid in the room. But... We started to hit, and we hit on one day because she'd read us these little stories. And so she read us one day. She was like, I'm going to read you a story, and it's about a company called Coca-Cola. And I'm like, here I am, black boy from Atlanta. I know Coca-Cola. Like, I'm, I know this. You can't grow up in Atlanta and not and know not the know, story I, of Coca-Cola. See, I didn't realize that. Right? Shout out to our Atlanta listeners. Atlanta, ATL. We love y'all. Uh, but so I was, I, I had some knowledge of Coca-Cola's history, you know, and she's reading through the story. She's like a farmer was trying to make a headache uh, a remedy and he had somehow been carbonated and I was like you know and I wanted to pop in my knowledge I was like it had cocaine in it it had cocaine in it right right I, this one I kept raising my hand and I wanted to yell it out and I remember she was like if you try to yell out one more time I'm kicking you out and of course, you know, I was an eighth grade boy with little impulse control who wanted to be recognized for the knowledge right, that I had, right. for, that I brought with me. And I yell out, cocaine, right? <laughs> like oh, some of man. our students might. Oh, right man. off the bat. And she, without context, that's hilarious. Right. She threw me out, right? I'm out the room. I'm out. And, and she left me out there for like 15 minutes until she was done with the story. And she came out and she did ask me, you know, why can you wait? You know, and I was like, I I knew the answer. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I feel like this happens. And I had a student do this in my class and I was reminded of the scenario. And he he wanted to share an answer. He had it, you know, and he just he was like, I got to go. I was like, you got to raise your hand, man. I love (laughs) to hear from you, but I just need you to raise your hand, you know. And, and it clicked for me. I was like, wow, this is the scenario. But I didn't kick him out, right? Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I, I let him have his space. I, I, he had to wait to understand, you know, this is the expectation of how we run. But, you know, it just gives me that whole thought about what do we do when a kid's kicked out of class? And and what are the reasons for it? And I, I think at times it's because we get frustrated or we're That's annoyed. Right. That's right. And so we're like, get out. Well, it's a, it's definitely a threat to our control, right? Like like I think about your, ex, your experience where – because I'm thinking to myself like, okay, 
I've had some kids who are pretty rambunctious yeah, and who are pretty yeah. excited about, yeah. like, when they knew something and wanted to just yell stuff out. Yeah. But, like, I can't imagine why I would throw a kid out who wanted to participate and engage. But then I thought about it. It's like, well, the, the teacher wanted to s- consolidate that power, to yeah. have that power, and you were, like, definitely challenging she had that because you do some stuff. She had planned. This is, like, I'm going to – we have the 30 minutes in our little homeroom period, yeah. and I'm going to read You're the story. You were in eighth grade? Yeah, it's funny. Eighth it, graders yelling out cocaine. It, you know, but, but like I said, I was because yeah. I knew the history. Because you knew it, you I, were excited. Like, and coming from another place, you you probably spent a lot of time feeling like you didn't fit. You darn and this right. This was one place she where I could just like when I was there. You know, and I think that's a great opportunity for the teacher to say something like, "Oh man, I I, I bet Kevin knows all about this." Man. Me and you, Kevin. So, At the end. So you could, like, so let's just, nobody's heard this before, so let's go through it. And, and and yeah, why don't you come up and whisper it to me real you quick. Some extra st- you yeah, know. you know, just something. I think these alternatives. Just to acknowledge that, you know, acknowledge that you are attempting to assert yourself in the classroom. Yeah, and, I, and I felt like overall I was trying to contribute, right? And I feel like that's what happens to our kids is they're like, I want to contribute. And some of the kids don't have the best ideas and the best abilities to contribute. And and I see it, especially with my sixth graders, that it sparks. Yeah. You watch it spark in their mind, and they're like, i got to yell this out right now. Right now. Because <laughs> if I don't, I'm going to die. Well, they don't have that <laughs> frontal cortex that's yep. been developed, so they can't, like, really filter out when, that's right. when it's that, appropriate. That's, right. that's why I was like, cocaine, <laughs> right? That's why I was yelling it out. Because I was like, oh, wait, there's a whole scenario to this that I should wait, and I'll probably be allowed to offer it up eventually, you know, but I didn't understand that. And I think her helping me to understand that would have benefited me as a student versus kicking me out, which led to frustration, which meant me, you know, saying, feeling some type of way and and, and saying some type (laughs) of stuff about her in my mind, right, or in the hallway, well, the other thing we got to think about, too, is is that, you know, kicking a kid out of class out of exasperation and frustration, it doesn't just affect the kid that's kicked out. Yeah. The kids are watching. That's right. And, and I think about, you know, you're telling this story, and I'm racking my brain for any time I got thrown out of class. I never got thrown out of class. But you know yeah. why? Because I saw what happened. happened. You learned lessons. I saw lessons. what happened when, when I was, you know, I think that I, was, I definitely... Um, when you talk about whether people are fight or flight, I'm flight. Yeah, I'm flight. Yeah, I'm like, you know, a kid gets thrown out of class. I'm like, that ain't going to be I'm, me. I'm going to lay low. I know. <laughs> no, I see what happened uh, to people who voice their opinions. I see what happens yeah. to people who are a little bit too excited. And, um, and, and I think, like, the thing I heard from teachers over and over was, like, don't make a scene, right? Yep. And so, like, so we have to think about the fact that you may think that by removing a kid from the environment, that you are protecting the environment. And sometimes that's true, yep. right? And we're, yep. we're definitely not saying that every problem a kid has needs to be solved within the walls at that moment. That's, that's right. not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is that the other kids are watching. So, and kids have a very... Um, a very strong sense. You know, I just had an argument <laughs> with one of my advisees yep. who felt that my grading was unfair, mm-hmm. that I was asking this student to do more than what I was asking of other students. And at first I'm kind of like, why are you so mad? I'm telling you that you're doing fine yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. But then I realized that, you know, it's like because the kids are watching, because the kids want to know that they're being treated fairly yeah, and that's justly. Right. That's the biggest and thing. And so when them. you make an example of a kid by 
angrily throwing them out of class, the rest of the kids just learned something about you yep. and just learned something about what you want in class. And again, this is a generalization. There are times when kids need to have a moment to gather themselves. That's and right. I think that every single teacher needs to have a ritual for how to deal with that. The other thing I would say, my mentor uh, told me, cause, because I remember I was a first year teacher, I was young. Yep. I remember saying to her, well, what happens if a kid gets really, really disruptive? And she says, you know, it's okay to stop class and say, um, everybody, I'm just going to pause for just a second. Can you all finish writing that sentence while I go and talk to Kevin yep, for just yep, a yep, second? Yeah. I am sorry. I will be right back. Yeah. And so you just basically you're saying to the kids, you are not because then the kids also get mad if bad behaviors are unaddressed, unaddressed right? Yep. So what you do is you're you're addressing the behavior with the kids in class saying, "You know what? I recognize something is happening here that is disrupting your learning. So I'm going to respect you enough to handle it." And then you take the kid out into the hall and you're like, I'm going to respect you enough to let you know what I need you to be yeah. doing right now. And, you and to, to hear back your side it. and to hear your perspective, right? Because nine times out of ten, you know, it's a kid who's like, like me, I wanted to share my thoughts. Or it's a kid who's like, so-and-so said something about me and that's bugging me. You know, but I want to go back to your point about like uh, what the overall message and again, I feel like our other shout out is always Jeffrey Duncan Andrade. Jeffrey Duncan Andrade. And so Jeffrey Duncan Andrade. Come on the show. We'd love to have Yo, you. Yo, I did message you though, man. Yeah. Like, so I know that we ain't friends on Facebook or whatever. Hit but. us up. Hit us up. <laughs> Hit us up. I feel like we're on the same path. <laughs> but uh, so one of the things that I've heard him say is that, uh, you know, the kids are always watching. And he, he has the analogy that the classroom is your garden, right? Mm. And we have all these roses. He loves the analogy of rose grows from concrete. concrete yep. And so he's like, I'm growing flowers, you know with this audacious hope, with the hope that I provide right, for my that's kids. Right, that's right. But he makes one point. He was like, would you pull a flower out of your garden and rip it out? And when you pull that flower out, what does it say to all the other flowers? That's right. And and, and he points out, you know, these, these flowers, our kids are coming with all sorts of issues. And they've grown up. They've rode the bus together. They live in the same neighborhood. They go through the same issues on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's and true. his point was, when you pull that one kid out, it messages to those other kids that I'm not going to put up with their stuff, right? Yeah. And, and if, I, if, if, if I'm, as the teacher, I'm not willing to put up with their stuff, then I'm not willing to put up with your stuff. That's right. And it's you're going yep. through. And it sends that whole message, like you said, to that community that unless you act this way, I don't got time for you, yeah. right? Unless you are sitting there quiet, appropriately handling your business, I'll got time for you. Yeah. And I think that is the ultimate problem with, like, if we're trying to build a community, but some people can get kicked out of the community, mm-hmm. right? I think it goes back to Trump's immigration ban. If some people <laughs> can be denied to be part of the family, right. then some people are going to feel like this isn't a family. This isn't a community. And, and, and whatever you tell me about caring about people, you aren't showing me yeah. that you care about us. Yeah. You know? So let me let me let me push you on that for a minute because I know that there'll be that there yeah. are teachers that will hear this yep. that will say, Okay, this is great in theory. This is a this is a wonderful vision of of, of a school where community is important and all That's that right. kind of stuff. But isn't there a time that I have to I have to really prioritize the needs of the many over over the behaviors of the one? Like, isn't there a time where I have to put my foot down and say, no, you are violating our community agreements right now, and that needs to stop. How, how, do, we, 
how do we sort of join those two ideas? You know, I think I think there has to be right, and 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 I feel like I do that at times in my classroom. But the way I do it is like you said, it's pulled out for a conversation mm-hmm. between me and the student, and we are together. We are yeah. both in the hallway. Yeah. And it's also providing kids with a space. I think maybe how you start the year out, right? Mm-hmm. And saying, look, from time to time, I know you're going to struggle. I know you're going to have issues. Yeah. This is the reality because I've been a teacher for this many years. Yep. And every year, inevitably, kids have these struggles. Yep. But everybody's got problems. When you're having up. these problems, I want to support you through them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to help you. And so how we will deal with them would be, you can ask me for a pressure pass. Yeah. You could say, Mr. Adams, I'm struggling today. Yeah. And I think that's an important learning for some of our kids who struggle, right? Yeah. Is that I can recognize that today I'm having a real issue. Yeah. And that it's not you. Or even if it is me, Mr. Adams, when you called me out in front of these people, that bothered me. Yeah. And so that's why I was being disrespectful to you. Or like yesterday, I was wondering why the kids were wilding out. And then it hit me. They were inside all lunch. <laughs> I was like, that, it was that simple, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a kid who's like, you can't put me near these people. If you put me near them, I get distracted and yeah. I'm off. Yeah. You know, and I think if we could recognize that kids have the ability to to see their own flaws and where they're making mistakes, that's growth. That's yeah. teaching. It's not right. standards-based, yeah. right? And, but it's and, that social, emotional, and they're not, child And stuff. they're not good at this yet. It's hard. Right? They're not good at this it's yet. They're hard. working on You know, it's interesting because I also think of something that you said about this. Like, I think we've both said it about having a, a more private individual conversation. I think it's extremely important that we allow young people, particularly middle schoolers, but I think all young people, I think all people, really, yeah. because, yeah. I mean... I've been called out in staff meetings before. Yep. I don't like it. And I'm grown. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think there's ever a point where anyone appreciates being called out uh-huh. in front of everybody. Um, and so I think that, like, and I've seen it happen where, where it is escalated because the teacher made the choice to call a kid out in front of everybody. And look, I'm not judging people. I know some of the behaviors are like crazy. There was a sub in the classroom next door to me yesterday. It was wild. And, it was lit. It was and lit. I went in the there said. and I was just like, wow, all right. And, and, and I remember uh, there's a paraprofessional who, was, who came in the room with me and she's like, would you all act this way? If the teacher was here and they're like, no, no. but they saw no problem. Teacher's not you know, here. But I think like, so, I mean, we know that they can make those choices. It drives us crazy and it can be really easy to take it personally. But, um, but I think as much as you can, as much as you can like a allow them to save face mm-hmm. and B have a conversation that's just between you two. Now, if they want to share it with their friends, that's fine. That's right. But, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've kneeled down next to a student and said, hey, Kevin, I need you to work a little bit harder right now, just a little. And nobody else except maybe the two people sitting near him even knew that we were having a conversation. Then the other thing, too, and I know that, like, this has been oversaid by a lot of people, but, like, filling the emotional tank a little bit, right? That's right. And so when you see Kevin on his business and you see him doing what he needs to be doing now you don't call it out in front of everybody because that embarrasses yep, him yep, yep. and, and, and now opposite. he hates you <laughs> and now everybody hates what him what about to say I did a good job exactly. with my <laughs> it's like it's like no nah, man now they're going to think I'm like oh, they think I'm a schoolboy now they, they right think I'm weak. <laughs> so so what you do is is you say um, Kevin 
killing it today. Oh boy, you are killing it. This is great. All right, I'm just, I just want to say that. And I've handed you, notes to kids, you that's know, right, it's just that's like right. saying they this love is that great, stuff. you know. And so, you know, it's interesting that we were talking about this. Um, so there's a great book for those of you who are struggling with your uh, adolescent yes. students, whether it's middle schoolers or high schoolers. Great <laughs> series of books by Kathleen Cushman. Um, she's from... Uh, she she works with a group of students called What Kids Can Do Incorporated, yeah. and there's an intro to these books by Lisa Delpit. Um, but it's the fire in the ba- fires Lisa in the Delpit, bathroom. Didn't series. she write uh, what's the she wrote other people's children? Other people's children and black people black, don't do math. Black, black people don't do math. That's right. Yep. That's right. And or the geometry or whatever. Something it is. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so so Cushman in this amazing work, and definitely check it out. We'll link to it on on uh, on the Facebook page. Um, it's it's called Fires in the Bathroom, Advice for Teachers from Middle School Students. And so what she and this group of students have done is they've basically gone around and gathered stories about what works. And I'll give you one over here about the practice of allowing a kid like a pause. So this is from a middle school girl named Jessica. If we get in trouble, we can just walk out of the classroom and go out into the hallway to get our, ide- our ideas back together. Our teachers call it refocus. The good thing about it is we don't get in trouble for going out in the hallway. It's kind of our choice. The teachers don't go out and try to talk to us, and we don't have to tell our parents. That is a big deal for kids. It's pretty interesting, yeah. And, you know, so it's 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 uh, really interesting. And then to your other point, there's from the chapter called Food for Thought, um, the uh, you know we, we have teachers that ban food in yes, classrooms yes, and that kind of thing, yes. which I understand. Yeah, if, I get it. I, I, my, when you with my the, students, when you see the mice scurrying, I have around. the. Ma- I've told you about my one mouse rule, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like I have a one mouse rule. If I see one mouse, then we just can't have food in there. <laughs> Not because the, you shouldn't eat, but because I don't want we rodents. Don't want That's like hantavirus, y'all. It's we disgusting. don't need that. It's, it's like disgusting. danger. You could die. Um, so, but here's here's a one perspective from a kid saying they complain about how kids aren't paying attention in class, and it's because we're not eating. If I don't eat, I get a headache and I lie down on the desk. And then it's like, and then they're like, put your head up. I can't concentrate because I need something in my system. And so I think there's a lot of time. Now, do we know that some kids manipulate this stuff? Absolutely. But I think that if we treat it as if that is the exception and not is, I'm sorry, if we treat it as if, yeah, yeah as if that the, is the yeah. exception and not the rule, it changes the way we talk to things. And so, I think it says something about how we see the kids, is that we value what you're saying. You tell me you're not feeling well, then I'm going to I'm gonna at least acknowledge that. Now, if you tell me every day at the same time you got to go to the bathroom and you're gone for 30 minutes, yes. I'm going to have a deeper question about your dietary needs yeah. and, and what you're eating. <laughs> I'm worried about you. You might have some food allergies. You're young. <laughs> you should not be doing that old man bathroom time stuff. You know uh, what I'm saying? Oh man, I would. Man, when was the last time we had 30 minutes to go to the bathroom, <laughs> like in this job? But, but I just right, hide like, in the bathroom for 30 minutes at home. <laughs> just, home. just like they're not going to bother hiding from there. my kids, my wife. Just although, like, although I know, like I saw, you know, I, I I've known where like moms who are at home with their kids have talked about how they'll see these little fingers like under the door, like say, Mom. my wife. I feel so bad for my what uh she can't even go in the bathroom either the dog will come in the kid i'll be like let your mother be please please let the woman <laughs> let be. be she's let too good be. to you for y'all she to be needs, going up in there she needs some time away and sometimes kids need time, need time away right yeah. but, but i think that like i think you're right i think that if we take the time to really understand students individually like okay so maybe kevin is leaving my classroom every period for five minutes like he always has to go and get a drink and he always has to go get a drink um maybe the conversation is making no assumptions and not being sarcastic y'all yeah don't be sarcastic don't use sarcasm and i say hey kevin so i've noticed that 
This is the third time you've asked me to get a drink of water. Are you like, are you feeling dehydrated? Are you okay? feeling okay? Like that kind of thing. Do you need and, a water bottle? You know, Do and you... I had that conversation with a kid once, and um, and he on it, he actually said, you know what? I'm actually on new medication, and it seriously is dehydrating me. I'm really sorry. I keep leaving your class, and it's like okay. And I actually got that kid a water bottle. Yeah. I'm like here, this is yeah, for you, and then that you. touches him. The other thing I think about because we have a tendency to snap at kids. And to get really upset with them really quickly Real over fast. something that in retrospect Zero we're like, 60. you know, so I had a student come in uh, the first year I was teaching AP World History. Uh, she had missed my class before lunch mm-hmm. and then at lunch comes in to ask what she had missed. Uh-huh. Now, I was in the middle of something. And so I said to her, hey, um, is there any way you could come back at the end of the lunch period? I just have these three things to do and that kind of thing. Because I saw her and I got angry. I'm like, yeah. that child ditched my class, and now you disrespected you, yeah, me, yep, yep. is trying to get me, yep. you know, the whole, yep, yep. like, emotional, it out in your mind taking it personally. It so she comes back at the end of lunch and I say, hey, thanks for coming back. I was just really in the middle of stuff. And she goes, she says, yeah, um... I, we had a death in the family and I just found out about it and I'm sorry I missed your class. And yeah. I'm like, I am really glad I, I did not snap you. at that student right. because that is all that person would need. And I know it's hard. We know that there are young people who are actively looking for ways That's to right. skirt the rules That's and right. to skirt our expectations and avoid the accountability that comes with deep, rigorous learning, we just can't take it personally. Yeah, I think that's the key. You know, we just have to look at it and say, look, all these kids want to learn. They may not realize it. All these kids want a future. They may not be thinking about it. I have never asked a kid, why you come to school? What do you want out of it? And had them say... I don't know. They always are like, it's an education. You know, Mr. I, I want to learn. I, I just come for the free lunch. You know? Yeah, I've never heard that. You know, Although once. some kids you know, do, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. that's the other thing, too, is that you know, I think kids come to school for a litany of different reasons. Like Some come because school is safe it's compared place, to where yep, they are. Yep. And that's the other thing, too, that I, I want to really let everybody know about. Like you know, As we get closer to the end of the year, we get closer to spring break. Kids uh, remember, react. some of those reactions are coming because they don't be life out outside of school is scary and unsettled and unstable and unpredictable school is predictable you got your classes the bell rings at the beginning and at the end you got lunch you got you know you got your bus that you ride that's right there's a lot of stability that you we know provide. mr adam's gonna be tripping on you you know he's gonna be on you got a pencil for you you know mr Munoz <laughs> is gonna is gonna threaten you in the hallway but it's all good it's, it's all, all good, good. humor you know, so it's an interesting thing. And so, I, you know, just to review in case this was a little bit of a whirlwind for people. Um, so alternatives to kicking them out. We say have conversations. Have conversations. We say remember that all the kids are watching. We say don't take stuff personally that the kids do. Even if the kids think that what you're saying, man, I had a I had an 11 year old tell me he was gonna <laughs> knock me out this week. Remember I told you about one that. One of my students. One of, one of, <laughs> so one of one of one of Kevin's students told me he was gonna knock me out earlier. And this and this <laughs> little guy. See how cute and little this kid he's is. He's a little dude, and you know, and I kind of laughed, and I was just kind of like, you know what? That child does not really want to knock me out. <laughs> that child is is trying to be assertive. He's, He's trying, trying to, to be strong. Place. He's trying to find his voice. He's trying to look tough because there are some girls near him. Yep. You know, and so I didn't take any of that stuff personally. And so I said to him, I said, hey, listen, so, you know, 
I don't think you want to go around saying that you want to knock out a teacher. I think that's like not a really good thing. Plus, I don't think you could. I, I think you, you probably. I think lose that'd be pro- that'd be probably hard. You probably injure your fist more than you would injure me. But so it's like some of it is like we recognize who they are, where they are. We try to redirect them in the way that makes the most sense. And you know, and I think we continually have the conversation because here's the thing: is I think a lot of teachers, particularly newer teachers, they'll try these approaches. And it doesn't work immediately. Yep. And they give up. And they feel discouraged by it. It's like, well, I've had that conversation three yeah. times with that kid. Well, maybe it'll you, take you, four. It, maybe you know, it very well might take 500 and w- conversations. And one of, our, and one of our colleagues is, you know, the, we, were, we were just talking earlier. This is a this is a person who, like, the, the kids will get angry at. Yep. But years down the line when they graduate, They're they so thankful are for teary teacher. and thankful that she continued to, to hold the expectation. They're always like... We we were so bad. Exactly. How did you put exactly. up with that? Exactly. Exactly. I had I had a middle school advisement that when they rolled over into high school and I had them as a high school advisement, I remember them coming in the first day of advisement saying, "We are so sorry. We're so sorry. We want this to be better." And so you know, I think that you continue to say, you know, it's just like parenting, right? That's right. You continue to say the the thing that needs to be said that's right. That's right. and the thing that they need to hear even if they're not trying to hear it at that moment because eventually it sinks in and don't you want to be that teacher that at the end of the day at the end of their education career it felt like you were there for they're like you know what me and Munoz we argued every day but that dude that dude didn't quit on me. He didn't. He didn't quit on me. And I think if you, everybody, you hit it on the point, you know, as parents or, or you've dealt with your parents, you heard that. That was like, I feel like yeah. if you had good parents, they were yeah. all, they, they told you the all same stuff. the time. Uh, the reason why I don't go out at night <laughs> after midnight is because <laughs> Janet Adams told me over and over <laughs> that there's only thing in tr- the streets That's after right. midnight is trouble. That's and right. I live by That's that right. today. Right. And I'm That's like, right. is it midnight? Let me take my butt home. That's right. Right. Well, but, yeah. You know, and I yeah. think going back, you know, I think ultimately too, is remember to like if 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 we're gonna think about kicking a kid out, and like we said, we're not saying that you can't remove a student if they're being That's disruptive. Right. That's right. You've got to make sure that you're maintaining, but how we do it. So if I come over to a student and quietly say, "Yo, Arado." I need for you to take a second because I feel like you're getting worked up and I yeah. feel like you're upset with me because we all know it. You can yeah. see it happen. You have a kid sitting back there glaring at you. <laughs> you know. You've asked him to pick up his pencil three times and do something. He's still glaring at you like he wants to fight. Then walk over and say, hey, I feel like today you're in a, a difficult space. Yeah. Can you let me know? Because I think when we put the choice back for the kids. Yeah, that's right. That empowers them. Yeah. And, and, and instead, if a kid says, hey, right now, I might need to be removed. From, I, I'm, I don't feel like I need to be in your room. Cool. Maybe I said that's that's part of what Of course, we, they probably won't say it like right? that. They'll probably be like, man, I hate this I class. I hate this stupid class. Well, hey, why don't you take a minute and take a walk? <laughs> who, who was it? Where, uh, some teachers just ask kids to take a lapse. Just oh, take, give, them, give them a pass. And, hey, I need for you to take a lap for a second. A lap. Yeah, and I think having the... And, and I think... Interestingly, if you have those kinds of rituals in place, you're less likely to have to use, use them. them. Because if a kid, I, I really believe that lack of structure and in and in, in a, in a high level of uncertainty in a classroom is what leads to a lot of this stuff. And it could be, and you know, I remember my mentor told me 95% of disruptions in class are provoked. Yep. A kid, 95% of kids or incidents don't start with a kid saying, um, saying that, 
I'm going to go in and mess up Adams's class. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm going to do that. But the but the thing that we have to remember is that they were provoked. Maybe I provoked them. Maybe another teacher did. Maybe some kid in the hallway did. That's maybe right. maybe their home life provoked. That's them, right? right. And so when they when they act out, they're acting out because of stress, and when they have that stress is because they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Imagine if they could walk into your classroom and say, I know that some stuff is going on with me, but I know I got that lap pass. That's I know right. I have that way to do it. And yep. I, and I think you, I think, and I think, I think maybe you don't publicly, you don't broadcast it. Yeah. But I think that if you see a kid, not who, every kid needs to know that that's a policy. Right. Because class. you know where it goes. It's like, Oh, oh. Kid, okay. I need the lap pass. Now. And then it becomes about the lap pass. But I think what you do is, is, is if Kevin is struggling in your class and you, and you know, right away, teachers, you are smart enough. You know, you which students, kid. You, you know, which students on day one or two, maybe struggle, maybe, uh, may, may struggle some in yep. what you're doing. And so, you know, and so you say, Hey, uh, Kevin, I noticed that, you know, you seem a little bit frustrated right now. I have this thing I want to do for you. Mm -hmm. And it's this little lap pass. Like, don't, like, tell everybody about it because yeah. this is something that is just for you for now. Um, but maybe you could do that. And I and I think you can kind of, you can manage some things that way. And and I think also, I also won't have the conversation in front of kids. Yeah. Like, if it is possible, I will get the other 30 kids working. And then I'll go over and be like, can I talk to you real quick? All right, cool. And my first question, my first question is, are you okay today? Yep. Are you okay? This is this isn't you. Mm -hmm. This is like when I see you in the hallways, you're laughing, you're smiling, you're you, you're talking to people, and you're being yep. really quiet, and you look really frustrated right now. I might be wrong, but I just want to know that you're okay. And I think, again, nine times out of ten, I think that brings that barrier down, and they may be they may just glare at you and say, "I'm fine." Yep. You know, and it's like, okay, so if you're fine, <laughs> then here's what I'm going to request of you. Yeah. If you're not fine, here's what I'm going to offer you. Give them a choice. I think that's that's the critical part is that kids, kids need choice. And I think we, this is where we go back to the whole kid. What all do we want them to to grow and how do we want them to grow, yeah. right? And part of it is, yeah, I want you to be able to read and write. But I want to know that you're going to grow up and you're going to be a competent adult. And when you have a fight with your wife or your children, that you yeah. know how to talk to them in a calm way that, that helps. Or you have a fight with your mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Because I think in, in, in a lot of communities of color, I feel like um, one of my favorite, you know, Dead Press songs, you know, uh, they schools, they talk about, you know, yeah. you aren't teaching our families yeah. how to interact better. Yeah. You aren't telling us how to get things done. That's right. Right? And I think it's an approach, and it's why I think kids of color have certain approaches and reactions. Yeah. It's because in our communities, that's kind of how we are raised to react. And yeah. you assert yourself, you know, in black neighborhoods by by. Uh, doing some, you know, women head popping and, and finger snapping <laughs> and letting you yeah. know, and, and the boys by fighting and, and clowning on people, right? And, and showing that you're the dominant male. And I think what we have to do is say that that's not wrong. That's, right. It's, it's cultural. Exactly. We accept exactly. it. But there's also different ways. But it is it. particular to a specific time and place where you're at. That's right. You know, And then we think about, like, role models. I think a lot of times, like, we, we forget that not all kids have the the sort of mentoring at home. Mm -hmm. And again, we're not judging here. You know, like the, there are working class families that are doing everything they can to scrape by. That maybe means that they're not around as much. It may mean that there's a lot of being taken care of by grandparents. But again, I'll take you back to Cushman's book. Yep. Uh, so this is a girl named Alma. 
saying a lot of kids don't have anybody to look up to, someone that, you know, to follow in their footsteps, to learn from their mistakes, or just to help out. It's really hard without that. Teachers can be like that, but a lot of teachers aren't. They teach you social studies and just that. They don't find that special bond or connection with you. They're not looking forward to going, They're not. you're not looking forward to going into their classes because you know it's not like your friend that's teaching. It's not a comfortable environment. It's a person you have to follow strict, strict rules by. You don't feel comfortable saying, I'm starting to go through changes. I need help. I'm not sure what to do. I can't talk to my family. Kids don't feel secure about themselves. They're not confident, so they do all these other things. It's a big picture, right? It's a big picture. And, you know, and and I guess I'll I'll start. We probably need to close this out here pretty soon, but... uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. We're at 74 minutes. The bell's going to go off. The bell's going to go off soon. It'll be over. (laughs) Um, No, so um, I think about about something that was said to me when my daughter was playing recreational soccer. Um, Now, she is a very vocal member of her team. Yes. She is yelling, she's directing, <laughs> she's loud. And uh, and and so a couple of her teammates, and I was a coach, that's what made it a little bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of her teammates had had complained to their parents that, well, she's yelling at us and she's and and like and apparently one of the girls had left the field crying this whole kind of thing and so i honestly didn't really know what to do because i think that um i think that my daughter is very serious about the game and um and she was watching me play on the weekends and i'm like i'm directing traffic out there and i'm the verbal sort of player so i called the director of coaching at her club a a woman named named, uh, kincaid who was fantastic Mm -hmm. and i asked her i was like what do i do about this and and so Kincaid says to me, all right, so she's actually showing some really great traits that we want in our athletes and yeah. we want in people. We want girls to be outspoken. We That's want right. them to be assertive. We want them to take leadership. Mm-hmm. We want them to be very clear about how they can support the people around them. So we want that. She's nine. She's not good at it yet. That's right. And so when we think about the kid who, like a little Kevin, right, uh-huh, that's back right. at back at what was it, Cotton Crest Hill, Hill. Crest, Crest Hill, get it right at Crest Hill, it's, at Crest it's, Hill Middle Crest School. Hill. So like, <laughs> sounds I, like a private school. It does. I know. Crest Hill, Crest Hill. <laughs> any Falcons there? Any any Falcons? Uh, we were the what were we? I think we might have been like the Cougars or the something. Cougars. There. Okay, all right. Well, that's a whole. That's other a thing. whole other. Story. So like so 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 there's so we got we got eighth grade Kevin out there, demonstrating what we want our young people to demonstrate: enthusiasm, excitement, willingness to participate and engage in the learning process. They're just not good at it yet. Yeah, I wasn't. They're just not good at I it wasn't. yet. Like, do we want kids who can sit still for 90 minutes and do nothing? We do not want that. We I want, want that. kids who want to be up and around, Active, who want to be involved, involved who want to get, who want to mix it up and do all those kinds of things. So, you know, we want that. The other thing I want, just thinking about the the, Fal- the Green Falcons. Yes. So apparently you have a nickname. Green Falcon. Green, so here's, do you know where that's so from? I don't, but I will tell you that, Ev- <laughs> that the guy who sent Evan, who sent us the fan art, addressed the art to the Green Falcon and Jedi. Master, Master Boogie Down. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, so, so what's that from? I'll tell you the story. So there's the Key and Pill skit. Okay. Where oh, they're in, okay. The, in the different, it's like a Voltron type of thing. <laughs> and he's like, I'm the Green Falcon. And, and Evan, when he was in my class last year, he we would joke about it. And they, they're like, what's that Black Falcon? Because it's a black dude in the green. He's like, no, I'm, I'm, the, in, I'm the Green Falcon. <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, the Black Falcon needs <laughs> He's like, no, 
not the Green Falcon. I'm the Green Falcon, so <laughs> that's why he called me the Green Falcon. That is amazing. So I, I, and you're wearing green today. Like, you can't green. see this on the podcast. You're wearing green. This is there. like my military. I'm wearing green. my Muhammad Ali t-shirt today. Ali, the greatest. Like the greatest. All right, but, oh, and one thing. Like, yeah. when you were reading that quote, I yeah. forgot. We forgot to shout out. Barry, Barry White, White Jr. Jr. Okay, y'all, if you have not <laughs> seen Barry White Jr. high-fiving his kids... This dude has it on lock. He's got it on lock, and he says something extremely important, and that is that it is absolutely crucial to establish trust and safety with your students. So this so this young man, young African-American teacher... Dope um, teacher. He's dope. dope. He, Barry White Jr., you are too dope. Too We're going to find we, you. We're going to track get you, you on the down, show. Um, get you out to Colorado, get on he the show. He has... Has a unique handshake for each one of his fifth graders, so and you've uh, hopefully you've seen this on on social media. It's on um, our Facebook check, page. It's on our check, Facebook check page. It, it is check too it dope. Out. And 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 from what I understand, the kids created the handshake. It's not like he just assigned them That's a handshake, something. and he does that handshake with them every single day before they come in. What 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 a great thing! And, and you, yeah, it, it's just amazing. And it goes back to that quote, like that you read from Cushman's book, where the where the student said. I want to feel like it's my friend. And I felt like every kid, when I watched that video, was walking into that classroom, they feel like yeah. Mr. White is their friend. Yeah. Like, he is down for them. Oh, yeah. You know, and these weren't just, like, typical handshakes. Like, I stand out and I shake <laughs> my students' hands. I tell <laughs> yeah. them what's up. I do a high but five sometimes. But, you know, this was, like, the real stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, there was like, some kick doing steps, dabs some, on them, dabs. kick steps, And, and he knew what to do. He wasn't just, every like, cheating kid, and following their you lead. you know, and, and they, they lined up. They were ready to go. And the kids had smile. You tell me if oh, I'm yeah. lying. And they're waiting. They're smiling. And they are waiting. They're, they're, like, waiting. they're like, my handshake's coming. My and you tell me coming. if those kids don't want to be there. You watch yeah. them in the classroom. Everybody's raising their hand, excited, right. energetic. Everybody wants they to jump learn. it up, it's ready to share. It's energy. You know, and so I think, you know, the more teachers that we see, like Barry White Jr., and he's encouraging everybody to do it. He wants yeah. us all he to said, start doing it. He says, bite this. Do it. Do it. They want do it to be a worldwide phenomenon, You know, for sure. but I, I think it's dope. And when you guys see it, you're going to think it's dope, too. That's right. It, it just reminds me, and this maybe is a good place to close, um, it reminds me of a quote I saw a while back about what young people need in our schools. They need one adult who is irrationally, totally, like, excited about them and everything that they do. They That's need right. one person like that in their life um, in order to be successful. One person who is just always going to be their champion, always going to be their cheerleader, always going to believe in them, always going to tell them the best things about themselves. Right. And uh, and maybe you can be that adult. I try to be that adult for as many as I can. That's our goal. Yeah, I that think is. that's our goal yeah. is to really make sure that we're hitting these kids and let them know that they, they're loved. Yeah. And, and we are thankful that they are here. And I think, you know, as people of color, a tradition in our community is that children are Value, absolutely, you know? and they're I a part of the community. That's it. They're the critical part. Yeah, it wouldn't exist without them. No, this is right. Actually, all, true. We've <laughs> all been that, right? We've all been children. I think at times we forget that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Empathy. So uh, we just thank everybody for hanging with us through yeah. an eighty-one minute there episode. Oh um, wow, that went so by fast. As always, it, did, it went by, it went by fast for us. Hopefully, it went by fast for y'all. Um, definitely, uh, definitely send us your comments. Send us your questions. Send us your opposition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Send us any ideas that you think we need to know. Uh, keep the ideas coming. Uh, we would love to engage in a wonderful collaborative relationship uh, yeah. with our teachers. We got teachers from coast to coast, man. Coast to coast. We got dope teachers in Oakland. We got dope teachers in ATL. In we got Brooklyn. dope teachers in Brooklyn. Uh, dope teachers in Texas, everywhere. And we just are really thankful for you all being out there. Um, hit us up. Give us suggestions for the ideas. If you have topics, 
Uh, we'll be on immigration next week. Immigration so next week. So send us your questions. Stuff. Send us your your opinions, your ideas. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Two Dope Teachers. Facebook, find us on the Two Dope Teachers page. We're the only one that comes up. That's right. Uh, Instagram, Two Dope Teachers. If you have great quotes you want to share, photos, things like that, uh, there's some really great stuff that has been posted to us. Uh, by the poet Naira Wahid, some really beautiful nice. stuff. We have, we would love to have her on the show too. Yeah. Um, but we have people sending us her quotes that are really beautiful. Um, and you can email us at two dope teachers at gmail dot com. We will be back. Yeah. What are we thinking? Is is it going to be a week? Or when, when I think it? we have to wait and let them find out when it pops up. Yeah, that's in right. Their, their might be a surprise. Feed. Might be a surprise. Y- y'all are spoiled right now. But we're going to keep trying to we're take rolling. care of you. We're rolling. We're rolling. So uh, we wish you a wonderful weekend. Stay dope. Stay dope.